0: Pursue what the Lord has spoken to us a little further. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul has been giving us theology and doctrine in the book of Ephesians as to who the church is. Deep, wonderful theology and knowledge of the mystery of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the gifting of Christ. And now he's going to come into the application. You know, sometimes we can be so uh, spiritually minded, we're no earthly good. We've got to have an impact into this world. It's important for us to understand theology, but if it doesn't operate as those words declared through our hands, through our feet, through our mouths, then what good is it? And so Paul is coming to that place in the book of Ephesians by saying, I've told you who you are, now act like it. And just as those words came forth, we'll see Paul saying the same thing. And he says this, we start at 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. That you no longer live as the Gentiles do. That word for Gentiles is nations. Another understanding is as pagans, as lost people. And the Lord insists on it. Of course, if he's going to save us, he would expect us to live as saved people. Would you not agree? If he's going to sanctify us, we should live sanctified. If he's going to cleanse us, we should walk with the cleansing agent of God. He insists on it. Paul says, I demand this in the Lord, that you would no longer walk like the world walks. Now that's going to take some work. How many of you are working on that? Right? After 40 years, let's get over some of this stuff, huh? Come on. And he says this, and he's going to describe to you how the lost are. He says, in the futility of their thinking, because without a knowledge of God, all you've got to go on is your emotions, your intellect, your physical being, and what you see, and that ends in a futility of thinking. They are darkened in their understanding (coughs) and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They refuse to acknowledge God in His ways, they refuse to see Him in creation, they invent ideas of how we got here and how things exist, and in that hardness of heart it becomes foolishness, stupidity, if you will. They have lost all sensitivity. Well, they would say that they're very sensual. They have a lot of sensitivity and emotional baggage and feelings. That's not the sensitivity he's talking about. He's talking about a spiritual sensitivity, a sensitivity to the reality of life and love and God's purpose in the earth. They've lost that sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality. The new spirituality is sensuality. And so people feel that they're spiritual because their lusts are being satisfied through all their senses. So as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. My goodness, it sounds like the United States of America here. But you see, that's what happens when your whole pursuit is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for me, instead of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for people, for all of us, protecting and caring, especially for our children and the vulnerable. But when you make it all about yourself, it's my life, it's my liberty, it's my pursuit of happiness despite you, and it becomes Something that is so impure and it is so greedy, I need more. How many of you know you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh? The flesh will never be satisfied. It's a mechanism within us. It just wants to be tickled over and over again. And the last tickle was good, but I need another high. And I got to go more and I need more. And that's the problem of our flesh. It craves constant attention. Jesus doesn't come to satisfy the flesh. He comes to kill it because it comes into being a distraction in our sensuality instead of our sensitivity to God. And he says, that's where the lost are. That's where we were at one point. How many of you remember it? We put ourselves into such a place, we recognize, oh God, we need a Savior. And he goes on and he says, That, however, is not the way of life that you have learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in Him in accordance to the truth that's in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. (coughs) We're to put off our old self. We're to put off the old man. Ladies, you put off the old man too. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about that old nature, that old selfishness, the old self-identity that was just purely sensual and an appetite for the flesh. We have to take it off. Many churches aren't even preaching this anymore. They're saying, just come as you are, stay as you are, just give to the church and be happy. We'll teach you about Jesus and someday you'll go to heaven. The Holy Spirit refuses to live in the filth of our attitudes. and He wants to clean us and sanctify us. He says, but you have to participate and you gotta take off the old garments. Now, if you live in warmer climates than Michigan, in the summertime, you sweat. Not here. Sorry, an attitude is showing. Can you imagine working out in the garden sweating and having soil and perspiration and, and you go in the house and you take a shower and you put the same filthy sweat-laced clothes back on? Ooh, How do you think the Holy Spirit feels? I've cleansed you. I've washed you. And you're going back to the filth that I've cleansed off of you. Take it off. That's not who you are in Christ. You were taught that your former way of life must be put off, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. How many times do we have to go around that same old mountain, and I'm talking to me, those same old temptations, those same old lusts and desires, whatever it would be in your particular life, don't anybody in this room think you're excused? Every one of us has some kind of a fleshly desire that the Holy Spirit today is saying, I've had enough. Take it off. Take it off. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And there's where the war is, Paul says. In my inner man, I delight in the law of God but my members desire, the, my body, my flesh desires and craves the things, and in my mind there is a war. Who will I listen to, my spirit man or my flesh? And he's saying it's time to reorient your mind and the attitude of your minds. Here's the key. The attitude is this. I love Jesus more than my sin. I love Jesus more than my flesh. I crave to honor God with my body and my mind more than how that two seconds of feeling good matters. The attitude is to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and body. And see, some of us don't know him enough, well enough, to love him like that. Some of us are just maintaining a Christian attitude instead of an adoration and moment-to-moment of love with Jesus Christ. I invite you to know Him. I invite you to learn of Him. To hear His words and know His character. To feel His embrace and know when He's offended that His offense would become your offense. So in line with Him and put on the new self created to be like God In true righteousness and holiness. I'll read that one more time because we missed this. What Paul is saying is this. Put on the new self, the new man, the new man in Christ Jesus. We talked about the DNA that he gave to us last week. That apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That character of Christ. That sanctification. He says put it on because it's created to be like God in true righteousness. The attitude of my spirit, the sanctification of my life, is not to be a good Tim Tyler. It's to become like Jesus. That is our goal, Jesus people, you Jesus freaks. So that when people see us, they see Jesus. When they hear us, they know Jesus. And we represent God of heaven. We're the image of the invisible God, like Jesus was. We're his body. What do you think all this means? Is it just fancy little language of an analogy? It's a reality. Dads, moms, you're Jesus to your children, you're Jesus to your co workers, you're Jesus to your neighborhood. So we have to put off that old man and walk like this. Now he's going to get into it. I'm sorry, this isn't me, this is him. You deal with it. He's going he's to tell you what you need to put off. Okay? Now, you are sanctified when you received Christ Jesus as Lord. How did you receive him as Lord? I'll go over it for those who are watching at home. Because you put faith in the work that Christ Jesus did. You can't add to it. You can't take it away. What Christ did on the cross is complete for the salvation of mankind. But you must receive it. And by faith you say, yes, he died for my sins. My sins are on Christ Jesus. I will die with Christ. Die in Adam and rise now in new life in Jesus Christ. And the spirit of holiness now comes to dwell within me. And I am sanctified and I am pure and I'm made holy. Now the work of the Holy Spirit is for you to take off all that old junk. Oh, you do it, Jesus. You do it, Jesus. Take it off. How's he going to take something off you keep putting back on? How's he going to take something off by your will you refuse to let go of? He will not override your will. If you're a thumb sucker, every time you put your thumb in your mouth, he's not going to take it out. I went for something that I wouldn't step on anybody's toes, possibly. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm meeting with the high school graduates at my house in the past week and weeks to come. And there's one lesson I, I teach them that blows their minds, and I tell them this, you're entering into an arena now where your parents are no longer watching over you, your church isn't telling you what to do, and now nothing will stop you from sinning. The Holy Spirit will not stop you from sinning. He'll say, don't do it, he'll nudge you, but nothing will stop you from sinning. The only thing you're gonna have freedom and you don't know what to do with it, and you're gonna find that you can do these things that everybody in the world's doing, and there won't be any repercussion immediately. And you'll wonder, Where was God? He's supposed to protect me. Well, you made the choice. The only thing that is going to stop you is your convictions. And are your convictions standing sure with Jesus Christ and in alignment with the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the same for all of us. And so he goes on and he says this, Therefore, each one of you must put off, let's go through the list, falsehood, and speak truthfully to your neighbor. There is no room for lying to the children of truth. How can truth be in our mouths and lying come from the same mouth? Lying is self-protective. Most of us lie to protect ourselves. It's better to always speak the truth. You don't have to try to remember the lies you've woven. You lie here, you lie there. You'll get caught in this trap. And the father of lies loves for you to use his Uh, product. He wants you to purchase more lies. He wants you to traffic in lies. He wants you to spread lies. And who do we appeal to while we're lying? The devil. While the Spirit of God in us is the Spirit of truth. He says, speak the truth with your mouths all the time. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. That adage is still around because it works. And he says, put off falsehood, so guard your mouths. How many of you remember the prophet Isaiah? The prophet Isaiah had a vision in the year that King Uzziah died. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. Oh my goodness, and his train filled the temple, and the seraphim are crying holy. And as he sees God, he says, oy ve, I'm undone. I'm being unraveled in the presence of God. My body is falling apart. And the first thing he says, this is a prophet of God set apart to speak the word of God. Woe is me, for I am a man of what? Unclean lips. And we can all say, woe is me, for I am a man, I am a woman of an unclean heart. Are my lips clean? This is important to God. What we say and how we say it is important. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Some of you got to clean up your mouth. I'll never forget in junior high one year, I forget the name of the principal at this time, but we were in junior high. We had an assembly and the, do you know what the assembly was about? Potty mouths. Could you imagine them having an assembly like that today? I was in junior high and the The principal said, I've had enough of this and these potty mouths. You'll not speak bad language in this school. Now we got to have it in church. I'll move on. He says, This I want you to speak. Truthfully to your neighbor, and listen how he how he justifies it. For we are all members of one body. What's his point? That the way you present Christ impacts the way all people look at Christians. There's only one body here. The way you behave. The way you act, the way you speak, and the way I speak represents the body of Christ. Do you know how many people have rejected the body of Christ because of the way Christians have behaved? We're one body. You can't disown yourself from them. Well, that's that guy. He doesn't represent Jesus. Yeah, he does. He says he does. It's about time the church gets cleaned up. Verse 26 In your anger, do not sin. Now, there's room for anger. James says, be ye angry. There's enough to be angry about. Would you agree with me? There's enough to be angry about. But, what should curb our anger? Sin not. Don't let your anger move into sin. Sin. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Resolve the issues. And do not give the devil a foothold. What's the conclusion? Unbridled anger gives the devil a foothold. Am I reading that right? Anger is frustration. Anger is bitterness. Anger is making you feel that there's nothing you can do about it when you as a child of God always have access to heaven what do you mean you have nothing that you can do about it you've got the throne of God that hears your prayers but there's injustice there's things that are wrong then speak to the one who has the authority to change the course of history but don't let the sun go down on your anger work that out Bring it out, as David did in the Psalms, and bring it to God, and be frustrated, but bring it to God, and sin not against somebody else, because you represent the body of Christ. And he goes on, anyone who's been stealing, here's his remedy, don't do that. (laughs) You know, sometimes I love the way Paul deals with sin. This is how Paul, he says, look go to a program, go to 12 steps, then after you go to that, get some other therapy, go to this. This is Paul's remedy. Stop it. Stop doing that. How can I do that, Paul? Because you can't approach the problem with your intellect and your emotions. It's got to come out of the spirit, man. There's only one thing that'll put the flesh to death. That's the spirit of God. Turn to the Lord instead of everything else. We try to self-medicate. We try to change the thinking of our mind based on our mind. It's got to come from heaven. It's got to come from the power of the Holy Spirit to love Christ enough that you'll stop doing the things that offend him and offend heaven. And he says this, stop stealing, steal no longer and go to work. Do something useful with your hands. Now that's smart. What do they say about idle hands? Devil's workshop. You got too much time on your hand. Do something about it. Now, this is what I love do something useful with, the, with your hands that they may have something to share with those in need. What? No, 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 no. I labor and I go to work so that I have money. I have what I want and more. That's not the Christian way. The Christian way is to have your daily bread. You supply what you need to live on for your house, for your car, for your wife, for your family, for your job, for, the, for your household. And whatever extra you have, start giving it away. <gasps> what? That's not the American way. You're not Americans. You're Christians. It's not how Germans act. Irish. I don't care what your nationality is. You're Christian. You're born of heaven. Stop identifying by the things of the world. Your ethnicity. Your economics. Your country. You belong to the kingdom of God. We're supposed to have the economy of heaven in our hearts. What's the economy of heaven? To care for the sick, to care for the poor, to demonstrate the love of God, to share what you have, to give your finance to those in need. And God will take care of you. Amen? I told you this is Paul and this is God's timing. Verse 29. Here we go with the mouth don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths or written on your stinking Facebook page. I didn't say it. Now, let's spend about an hour on discussing what is unwholesome talk. Talk that is not edifying. Talk that is not exhortive. Talk that is not comforting. You know, we have the sword of the Spirit. You're not supposed to slice and dice people with it. It's to heal. It's to mend. And we are becoming like the world. You watch these Christian tweets. You watch Christian Instagrams. You watch Christian YouTubes. These people are just attacking each other in a righteous manner. Stop listening to this. Stop doing that. And and in a self-righteous mode, they're going to correct the entire body of Christ by slicing people's character. You never slice people's character. You might have a problem with their theology. You might discuss their doctrine and point out where it's wrong. But the minute you start attacking people, you've stepped out of the arena of the Holy Spirit of God. Is somebody getting this? Taking notes. Write this down. Amen? No unwholesome talk, and we've let the world invade our speech. We've got to be careful. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not yours, their needs. Can you be so full of the Spirit of God? Can you be so content in what God's given you? Can you be so satisfied in your relationship with Jesus that you no longer have to live your life for you? but you live your life for others. This is Christ. What would happen if the church did that? Oh, my Lord Jesus. That's what we're working on, right? That those who would listen would benefit from your conversation. How about that? That would be good. I don't know about you, but I don't benefit from a lot of stuff I'm hearing. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. So... He puts that with unwholesome talk. So what would grieve the Holy Spirit? I know what grieves the Holy Spirit. That our worship didn't go long enough. That you read a prayer instead of said it from your heart. You know, we we have all these definitions for what grieves the Holy Spirit. You know what grieves the Holy Spirit? That we act like the world. We're sealed by Him. We're cleansed by Him. And what comes out of our mouth is not of Him that grieves the Holy Spirit. All the work He's put into you. Remember those days you were grieved by your children and their behavior? Right? It hurts, but you pray for, for better. And so He goes on and He says this, verse 31, Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling, slander, Along with every form of malice. Do you know what malice is? Premeditated actions. You've thought about this. Oh, you thought about what you were going to say. You thought about what you were going to do. You planned this thing out. He says, any form of malice, stop it. You have to be open to the prophetic move of the Holy Spirit. You're going there with an attitude and an idea of what you're going to present. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not the direction I want to take at all. Be careful of malice. So here's the list. He says, to the church, to the sanctified, to the bride of Christ, to the sons of God, to the children of light, stop lying, stop being angry, stop stealing, use wholesome language, stop your bitterness, stop brawling, stop slandering each other, and stop having a premeditated attitude when you do it. Wow, okay, we got this one down? That's what we're supposed to take off because it's filthy. And he says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. The King James says, as for Christ's sake, God forgave you. You and I have been born again and washed and preserved in the Holy Spirit for Christ's sake, not because of us, not because we're so all that. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. God saved you because you're the best thing on planet Earth. No, God saved us because we're a filthy, abominable wreck. Disgusting. Disgusting. But God went into the muck and the mire and rescued us for Christ's sake. That's why we praise Him. That's why whenever we get together, the first order of things is to worship our Savior who came to rescue us from the pit of hell. We spend our times thanking Him because He still is washing and cleansing and working with us. Now, it's up to you to start taking this stuff off. I don't know how. Stop it. Stop it. You've been trained to use this stuff. Stop listening to your trainer, the devil, and start listening to the one who is walking with you, the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't feel good, is it? But it's righteousness. Let's go on. We're not done yet. Follow God's example. You know, I love this because the King James, I think even the NIV says this, be imitators of God. Whose righteousness do we have? God's Christ's. God's righteousness. We're to be like him in righteousness and in holiness, so imitate him. Do you think God's on the throne swearing and cussing? Now what am I going to do? Oh. You think he's angry? Everybody paints God as angry. And when God describes himself to Moses, he says he's long-suffering and patient. Slow to anger. You haven't seen God's anger yet. That will come at the great white throne judgment. When everything will be justified in all of his actions. He is so patient with us. So we have to imitate God. And he goes on, Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We're to imitate Jesus. And we're to be a fragrant offering of the sacrifice of God. Jesus was a fragrant offering. We're supposed to smell like Jesus. How many of you love scented candles? It's beyond scented candles now. You can get scented little wax cubes that you put in a thing that that melts and it smells good. You can buy stuff to spray in your house and you know you need a can in the bathroom. A sweet fragrance. That's what we're supposed to be. When someone's around you, they go, I smell Jesus. Is that what heaven smells like? Yes, it is. I just came from heaven. I was in worship a minute ago. Wow, you smell like Jesus. That's what it should be like. Not like the refuse that we're hanging around in. A fragrant offering. Now he goes on, but among you there must not be even, here we go, with the list again. Among you, Christians, sanctified, holy ones, saints of God, children of the Lord Most High, representation of Jesus Himself, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Oh, well then let's figure out what categories of sex that means. Hmm. Not even a hint of immorality, sexual immorality. Okay, so what does the Bible define as holy sexuality? Sex between a man and a woman that are married. Anything else is sexual immorality. Does that help define things a little better? Okay? But we, we've got grace. We've got grace, right? Do you know the levels of pornography is almost the same in the church as outside the church that's more than a hint right the sexual immorality did you know i don't know you may not know this but on tv and in the music and on the radio right and in streaming and on your phone the majority of all the media is is saturated with sexual immorality did anybody notice this What if there was a fragrance that came along with it and it smelled like dung? What if every time we engaged in the things that Jesus tells us to take off, we began to smell like the toilet? Am I getting too graphic for you? Because this is the language. There shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality in our lives. We need help or any kind of impurity, any kind of impurity, or of greed. Now, how is he supposed to flush this all out of us? How are we supposed to get rid of all this stuff? That's really hard to do. Oh, how about the cleansing agent of his own righteousness and the blood of Jesus that can clean any stain off of us? How about that? You see, he's telling us to get rid of this stuff because he's got a remedy for it. He's not asking us to do something we can't do. He's asking us to do something we fully can do because he's made provision for it. So what's the reason we don't? We like it. Any kind of impurity, and here we come again, or any greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. I didn't know that was in the Bible you know that there's a website and there, there's, there's churches of Christians that curse Christians that swear and we got grace we're just using the language of the day we're just using the words that the world uses and so we use it so that we can communicate this verse speaks directly against that completely against it most of the humor is obscene When he says foolish talk, he's not talking about joking around. Joking around's fun. He's talking about the foolish or stupid talk. Talk that amounts to nothing. Talk that is obscene and foolish and rank and no coarse joking. It's rare to find a comedian that is not obscene and coarse. And the world is fine with it. Movies are full of it. Your children are being tutored in coarse joking and obscenities. You are. You know it at work. You're in that environment. I didn't grow up in a home that swore. but We didn't have coarse language. We didn't have swearing in our house. And I remember going to work and and at work man, it was F this, F that, F this. It doesn't even match what's going on. It's just an adjective. F this, F that, blah, 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 blah. I don't swear. I never swear it all my whole life. And all of a sudden, it's in my head. Something happens, like, where'd that come from? That doesn't belong to me. You've been saturated in it, saturated in it. We're knee-deep in it. Some of you are neck-deep in it. Some of it's coming out of your mouths. Amen. People in the back are getting worried. He says this. These things, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He's talking about the world, he's talking about lost people. Is he talking about Christians that swear or Christians that have obscene things that they've watched? He's not going to kick you out of heaven for that. Because He's working on you to get rid of it. He wants you to kick it out of you. Amen? And He says this, These people that do this, the unsaved, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. How many of us are partnered together with the world more so than we're partnered together with the righteous ones? I know, you don't know what to do with this. I can tell by the way you're looking at me. (laughs) For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. He had to root into the infection, but now he's going to tell you why. He says, because, he says, live as children of the light. We're children of the light. What do we have to do with darkness? Why should darkness come out of our mouths? Why should we let darkness come into our eyes and our ears and our actions and our attitudes? You're the children of light. You're the light of the world. You, the fruit of the light, consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. That's what's in us. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Whenever you put a light in darkness, guess what happens? The darkness is dispelled. Shine your light in the darkness. Be a light. Don't be a dimwit. You should be more than a 25 water. Right? Do we even do watts anymore? What do we do now? Omens, lumens, lumens. Omens are something else. <laughs> lumens. Right? Be as brilliant and as bright as you can. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with darkness. Expose it. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret and in darkness. But everything is exposed by the light and it becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's why it's said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will shine in you. Be very careful then how you live. People of God, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Redeem the times. The days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Shine, people. Shine. If we don't shine, the world won't know what darkness is. They won't know they're in it. And if we join them in their darkness, they'll never see the light. So shine. Don't be foolish. Be wise. And shine. People have all sorts of foolish arguments and foolish ideas. Don't stay quiet. Shine the truth of God's light. Speak it with love and edification. The days are evil. Don't be foolish. Another word for foolish don't be stupid. You've got the wisdom of God. One of my favorite quotes from John Wayne. Life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. You've got the light of God in you, the righteousness of God. You are children of the light. Bow your heads, children of the light. You want a church, Lord God, that is clean and shining beautifully. You wouldn't be telling us this if you didn't have the remedy. You wouldn't be healing us if we didn't need healing. There are things that have been spoken today that have convicted people in this room, Lord God, and I pray that we would repent. Today is a day to be washed and cleansed. Today is a day to take a shower in the Holy Ghost. Today is a day to cleanse off. Ask God to wash out your mouth. Ask God to cleanse your heart. Ask God to help you no longer be a poor representative, but to be a brilliant light that shines. How many of you want to go where you were today and go further in righteousness? How many of you want to be clean and walk powerfully and used of God? Father, I pray, release your light. Release your light. Oh God, this is amazing grace. Your unfailing love, oh God, penetrates us and gives us victory Take off these old garments. Help us, Holy Spirit, as we put on the garments of Christ Jesus and walk in the grace of our Lord. The fragrance of Christ. That's who we are. Deal with these issues, brothers and sisters. Repent of them. Change your mind on them. Put a marker where your mouth needs to be clean. Put a marker where your attitude needs to be changed. And make a difference. Amen?